Yeah. You know what it is. Be back with another one. This is back in the days. And I'm your host, Dante Bailey. And I do this every so often. This is a podcast where I try to look at some experiences from my past and take y'all on a journey with me. I reminisce in real time and I try to unpack some of the things that happened in my childhood, you know, teenage, adolescent experiences, try to figure out how they led me to where I am today. And uh, recently, recently I got access to traditional therapy and I mean, it's, it's done wonders, man. It really has. I be crying and shit. <laughs> and uh, I legitimately never cry. Like, I couldn't remember the last time I really, like, broke down crying and shit. Last week, this man had me out here boo fucking hooing. <laughs> uh, he was letting me know it's okay to be the quote unquote good guy, you know? I used to always worry about nice guys finishing last. And it's funny, on that note, this idea of nice guys finishing last, I think about it and I never want to be anybody's second choice. It's a realization I had over this past week. I ain't nobody's second fucking choice. (laughs) And I think it's good to have some pride in that, but how much pride is too much pride, you know? It's always been this thing that's bothered me about, like, not being the initial thought, being second tier or whatever, you know? Because I know my worth and I know my value. And I didn't always know how to articulate that, but it's always bothered me, you know? And it comes out in different ways, I'm sure, in different coping mechanisms and all types of shit. It's been heavy on my heart, so we're going to unpack it right here, right now, on this episode. This episode is called Second Nigga Energy. Because <laughs> I'm never trying to exude nobody's second nigga energy, you feel me? So put on your seatbelts, sit back, relax, and ride with me. So you know the great saying, if you're not first, you're last. <laughs> now, I don't know. I, I've never been so obsessed with winning, per se, right? But I've definitely always wanted to feel like a winner, you know? I think this week I um I caught myself a little bit. I realized... <laughs> you know You ever feel like like You're the crazy one for being logical I feel like that very often And then You have moments where You start to look at The bigger picture And you realize that maybe you were a little crazy Because what you thought was logical Wasn't actually logical It was coping you know, I had a situation, uh, one that I'm choosing not to go too deep on because I don't like to give shit that kind of energy. But uh, I had a, a friend who I was dealing with and without going into too much specifics about it. You know, uh, I had already made clear for myself that. I was going to be out the way. I said, look, man, I, I need to focus on school. I need to focus on on my, my, my hustle and my grind. Like, I've I really been slacking heavy since I've been trying to put my attention into this kind of, like, you know, dating kind of space and relationship kind of space and everything else like that. And Man, it, it's crazy how you can have your mind made up about something. And... That's all it is. That's all that makes sense. And then later on, some other information comes out that can trigger an entire, like, (laughs) an entire kind of, like, trauma response. Like, 
and you start to cope you know now we we know uh in my past it's just a part of my experience i try not to keep going back to it but i've been in situations before where i've been uh cheated on twice and I, i don't take it that personal you know i mean even the first one i i've actually recently rekindled with with my my first real love and really good friends we understand how we got to where we are it's all love that's that's my homie and and it's going to be that way you know um granted that's a whole different conversation but you know i think what i'm alluding to is this idea that we don't get to choose how we feel something someone does something that hurts you and you react to it naturally so when that happens one time you know you probably cope pretty badly maybe try to rebound and do a couple different things to give back and and then you find a space to trust and love again and then you go through that situation again for say however long that second situation was with my most recent ex and it happens again <laughs> so eventually you start to put up a blockade and nobody ever wants to be a bitter bitch or anything like that and in this instance for reasons that i obviously you know just elaborated on it's like yeah i gotta focus this and that blah 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 you're like okay that's not it let me focus let me move on to something different and i I would never speak down on anyone's character to say what happened but what i could say is what could have potentially happened based off of the details that came out later and I'm going to stop right there because I don't want it to feel too gossipy. That's not what this is about. What this is about, and this is raw, so I'm not editing any of this, you know what I mean? But it's raw feelings, it's raw emotions, it's raw spit, you know what I'm saying? We just talking the shit, we shooting the breeze, we, we keeping it real. But what it's really about more than anything is my reaction to this new information that came about. And I mean my reaction to it was almost as though I didn't already make the decision that I had made. My reaction to it was almost in a space where I was like, wait, what? Cause this is before I made that. This is before I made the decision that I didn't want to pursue any type of, you know, relationship or anything else like that or whatever the case may be. Like I, I'm focused on, school and work and all of that and my hustle and my grind and I'm trying to get back right but before I made that decision there was potential that I could have walked down that same road that I've experienced two times already in the past and you start to think as someone who you felt like cared about you on some level how could you do that if you know my past or how could you even put yourself in a position to potentially let that happen and you start to realize more and more it has nothing to do with them it has nothing to do with the way they move or how they talk to people or how close they allow people to get or anything like that it has everything to do with you that and, and with me saying it has everything to do with you or in this instance, everything to do with me, that's not to speak down on my self-worth or my value or to say, you know, oh, I'm prone to getting cheated on. I'm prone to having this quote-unquote second nigga energy, right? But it has everything to do with what I allow to validate me or invalidate me based on my own insecurities. And we have to look in the mirror and acknowledge our truths in that kind of way. It's going to get deep this time, man. I'm, <laughs> I, I can't I can't fake the funk. You feel me? I got to take responsibility in places where I'm not doing the work. And I think in some instances when you're like, like if, if I'm always doing the work, it feels like I'm going down a path that feels um, like I'm always progressing. And though that may be true. There can be some spaces in my life where I'm continuing to go through the motions and I'm still coping. One of those ways for me is 
with this idea of second nigga energy. I've come to realize that my entire life, I have let the acknowledgement from other people of me being thought of as second best or third best or whatever it it bothers me it it, it has affected me it's affected my confidence it's made me look in the mirror and want to try less it's made me settle it's made me uh aim lower and this doesn't always have to do with like dating dynamics or anything like that it could be all types of things you know so let's go back. I remember playing football as a kid. And that was my thing, you know, I I loved football. I probably started playing football because, you know, my brother played football and my father played football as a kid and we always watched football and we used to go to the Redskins games and all the stuff you already know if you've heard any past episodes, you know. But The thing that validates you in football is being good. Scoring touchdowns. They say it's a team sport. But linemen don't get any fucking credit. They do all the work. They they sit in the trenches and they block people and keep them from going all over the place. Or they get past the big ass niggas in front of them and get back there and sack the quarterback. They don't really get much credit for what they do. Everybody looks at the quarterback who's throwing the football and you know, scoring touchdowns or, you know, calling the plays at the smart person. They look at the running back who's making all the fancy moves and making people miss, and he's cool, and receivers who are divas, and, you know, they're not getting enough throw. They're not, I'm not getting no catches. You're not targeting me. I got to gotta showboat, you know? Because you want to be on the field. But the people who get less credit than the linemen are the bench players. <laughs> second string third string these are support supporting cast when those first string players get tired here comes the second string and they're supposed to be just as good at their job as the first string granted they're not just as good obviously and that's why they don't start but they come in the game and they relieve people basketball is a much better representation of this because on a basketball squad, it's rare that somebody will ride the bench the entire game. They're going to come in at some point because people are tired or somebody gets injured or whatever. And they're expecting for the train to keep rolling. With that said, I've always been a, a bench player. Football was probably one of the first things in my life that validated me. And I've always been on the bench. I've always been second string something i mean when i first started playing football i remember i was playing on the offensive no defensive line because pretty much the only thing you have to do is just chase somebody and if you happen to tackle them then cool but you know you're fucking five or six years old and your helmet is bigger than you <laughs> and you're running around and coaches are just like just go go hit somebody or something you know and that never made me feel special because i knew i'm sitting on the sidelines talking with my friends while everybody else is in the game having fun and they throw me in for five minutes at the end to make me feel like, oh, you participated. And it's really make the parents feel like they they don't care. And parents be going through their own coping mechanisms and validation, trying to rent, trying to win to show themselves that they're good. It's not even about the kids, you know, a lot of times. <laughs> and then from there, I remember I moved to New Carrollton from playing at Riggs, uh, you know, Lamar Riggs in Northeast D.C. And when I went to New Carrollton, I, I, I decided, I said, I want to be something different. I want to play quarterback. My brother, my father asked me why I want to play quarterback. I said, because it's a leader position. You know, I, I said, I just like it. And I didn't know anything about being, but I, I just knew I would be, I would have to be involved and active because they're the person who makes all the decisions. So I had a lot to learn if I wanted to play quarterback, you know. Uh, and I was in it But I wasn't good enough to start Because I don't know what I'm doing yet And I really put my time Focus and attention towards it And I think I talked about this idea Of favoritism in my, my episode 
called Halftime Orange Slice that was all about football. And I was talking about the fact that I, I never even got the chance to show what I could do at quarterback because there was another kid who was so good already at, you know, what, eight or nine years old or some shit that they were never going to take this kid out. They weren't even going to – they wanted him to get all the reps he possibly could at practice. It was like they already had the decision made. And in my mind, I'm like, well, I, I want to try. But, you know, at eight or nine, I think to some people, they would say, well, then you put in the work. If you want to be included in the game, you got to put in the work and work extra hard outside of, you know, practice so that you're good enough to get their attention and show what you can do, and then you'll get in the game. And I didn't really care about shit. I was just kind of like, well, we're just, we're kids, bro. Like, I can't just get a chance to just try to. Like, I want to try. They cared more about winning. And I get that. So I was always the second string quarterback. And most times they had me just doing little handoffs. It wasn't like I was passing the ball or anything like that. You know, it's just because if you pass the ball, you could throw an interception and you could make a mistake. But how can you learn from making mistakes if you never make any? But they never wanted to put you in a position to make a mistake because you're the quarterback. So you do the bare minimum. And it's weird how I've never processed this until now, not even in my halftime orange slice episode, because I think that was more so about masculinity and everything like that. But this this is the first time I'm really recognizing that that had been my entire football career all the way through high school. I got to a point where I, I got pretty good. I, I went to these little football camps in the summer that my father used to sign me up for. We worked on skills and training, and I started learning more, and I was having fun, and I was really doing the work off the field, and I still always fell victim to favoritism when it came to quarterbacks because there was always somebody who existed there before me who was good, and they were comfortable, and they expected them to lead the team, and I was always new. And I had to fight to get an opportunity. And eventually you get to the point where you like, yo, I know my worth. Now, I'm not sitting here saying I was the best in the world. No. But I was smart enough that people could respect that. Okay, you're a quarterback. You're making good decisions. You're smart. I wasn't the fastest. I didn't have the biggest arm. But I was very accurate. My technique was perfect. And I was very, very, very smart so it was like being a little coach on the sidelines you know but even still people care about winning people want to be in first place they're going to put the best in at all times and I get that I think that's why I realized football wasn't really for me it's like I'm I'm not ever going to actually pay off in this nobody remembers the second string quarterback nobody remembers Charlie Batch <laughs> Charlie Batch is a solid-ass backup quarterback for the Steelers for, like, 18 years or some shit, something wild. He, he just was always the backup. He was solid. Anytime the starting quarterback went down, Charlie Batch comes in to, to keep the game managed as long as they need to until somebody else comes in. Nobody remembers Charlie Batch unless you are a, a Steelers fan or you really love football like I do. <laughs> But you know Michael Vick, and you ain't never have to watch a football game in your life to know who Michael Vick is, you know? I'm not hating. I get it. But how do I relate to this concept of being second best, you know? And I feel like people around me were always so good at things, like, my oldest brother was really, really good at basketball. Like, no question. If his grades were together, he would have been star of basketball teams. No question about it. He was dope. He was amazing. He was fast. He, he ran track. Everything was cool. My brother was really good at rap. You know, he was hard. So much so that he got all this attention. And I, I wish he would have never quit because he was just so good. I mean, he was complex and double XL and sway in the morning and all these other kind of things before he stopped rapping you know and he was he was doing it and that was his thing and I never really found my thing until I started getting into filmmaking which was like what high school you know like late high school 
going into college. So for all of those years that I'm like kind of just find my trying to find my way, like most kids are, I mean, honestly, let's think about it. Like most kids are just trying to find their way. But there were always these things that made me feel second tier, you know, playing football on the the playground at school and, you know, people are choosing teams. I was never the like, I'll take Dante. <laughs> I was either the the middle in the middle somewhere or at the very end, it would be like I was never the last taken. They might take me next to last. If they didn't know me, they you would assume, oh, he can play football. And that just used to blow. Like, I was just like, wow. And and I think this is a part of why I love the underdog stories now as, as an adult, like as a filmmaker. So many of my stories are about people who get counted out. People who are the underdog, people who are second tier, people who have been overlooked. Because I think there's so much value in the people who are overlooked. They're so hungry, you know. That's why Kanye is the way he is now. Kanye got overlooked for so long. And I'm not sitting here. I'm not the biggest Kanye stan ever. I promise you. I'm, I I like the old Kanye. <laughs> but that documentary that came out, man, it just, everybody's talking about it. And they're talking about it for a reason. It's a documentary about dreamers. It's a documentary about people who've been overlooked and refused to take no for an answer. You know? But. When it comes down to it, I'm thinking more and more about how this has just played a role in, you know, my my biggest fear, if anything, was getting chosen last in football because it was embarrassing. It was like a public statement to say you're some shit or you're not popular or nobody likes you. And that validation should come from within but it exists in others for me or at least it always had you know until adulthood I've always looked and cared what people thought too much and if people didn't think I was the best because I'm such a perfectionist you know maybe it's a Taurus thing maybe it's the Virgo rising I don't know but I'm such a perfectionist and when I make mistakes it kills me I just be like fuck they're gonna realize I'm 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 not that good. Coming to USC, I I I couldn't believe it. I was towards the top of the list, and I couldn't, and I wasn't even supposed to know that information. And I'm like, how? I mean, I'm, I'm I get it now, but at the time, I was like, I've always been second best. I've always had to kick in the back door. I've never walked through the front before. And this plays a role into everything with dating and I mean you know I I never thought women were attracted to me growing up in in fact I knew because I would always be friends everybody loved I was the best friend everybody oh he's so awesome he's so cool he's so funny this and that blah 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 we love Dante but as I've stated in other episodes they always wanted somebody just like me not me but someone just like me it's uh, the worst feeling in the world. I've had this a couple of times. I remember being a kid and liking girls probably more times than I can count on my hands, more than I can specifically remember to tell the full story. But there's been multiple situations where like I've liked a girl. We start hanging out. We get cool. I'm thinking, OK, you know, I, I can even catch little moments where it feels like they flirting with me. And probably because I'm sweet. I was a sweet little nigga. You know what I'm saying? Sweet boy. (laughs) I make them feel nice and they feel heard and seen and listened to. And the type of things you would want out of a partner, out of a boyfriend or whatever the case may be. And then out of nowhere, like a fucking flash of lightning that just struck a tree that you couldn't see coming. (laughs) They would be like, what's up with your friend? And here I am with the I eat ass face. <laughs> Just looking at shit like, oh, uh, I mean, yeah, he cool, you know. Y- you want me to introduce you? I mean, yeah, that would be cool, you know. Like, I don't know, he just, he's different. And I'm sitting there like, damn. 
You just friend zone me. Second nigga energy. <laughs> and I, I have to say it like that because it's not it, it's different when it's like they don't fuck with you at all. I've never had that. I've never had this thing where it was like I was just completely oblivious and I thought it was like I never had a chance. I was never the loser like, oh, my God, I'm such a loser. Girls don't like me. So it's funny because I don't think like my friends wouldn't even let me live up to that narrative. That's that's not true. But what it was is that I was never the first choice. You know, they wanted me just not yet. You don't know how many times when I was younger, high school, all that type of shit. Somebody would say like, I like you. I just feel like you're too nice and I don't want to hurt you and this and that and blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, I I feel like you're somebody I would want to date when I'm older down the road and you know me because i'm nobody's second choice i'm not looking like okay yeah yeah i got you in the future then i'm like nah it's looking bad for you pimp <laughs> is I, I mean outwardly the coping mechanism is probably like well it's your loss not mine so I, I just say cool it's all good you know what i'm saying i get it wasn't nobody trying to get married or nothing but cool but internally broke me apart, broke my heart. Cause like, why don't people want a good guy or a nigga who gonna actually treat you right or this and that? We want the bad thing. And the bad thing was usually the first choice. Granted, same folks would see me with another woman on some cool shit, kicking it, how it's really could have been and then they get and they feel i just think it's funny how when that was me and you you never had this energy now all of a sudden with this person you what you're accusing me for your perception of me no (laughs) fuck no and it's just so funny because i've allowed that story that narrative to validate or invalidate me for so long and though I've gotten better at it and I'm an adult now, sometimes it still creeps back up. Sometimes it does. You know, I've always said I, I don't believe in ownership. I don't believe in, you know, uh, attributing this kind of hyper masculine toxic control over a woman when you're dealing with her like, oh, you can't never look at another nigga. Oh, you can't be attracted to another nigga. You can't whatever like nigga you're you have eyes you're a whole ass human being i'm not gonna never try to keep a woman imprisoned in her you know infatuation and affection for me but at the same time i expect you to keep it solid like act like you've seen a nigga before in your life and (laughs) don't be out here keeping the doors open on some like just in case type shit and what i'm realizing more and more is that that's always bothered me past being cheated on it's just this idea of being second choice you know a woman could be talking to somebody like oh this is somebody i used to talk to but we're just cool this and that that's solid if that's really what it is but if the nigga's around because he's there to be a second choice in case we don't work out I'm not really fucking with that And people do it all the time I say people do it all the time Not women do it all the time Because niggas do it too Niggas will Have a whole shorty on the side Oh this just my homegirl This and that And as soon as y'all not fucking around no more He fucking with her Because it's not your business no more And you can't stop that I mean it's not your business What people do Once you're no longer in the picture As long as they're respectful Of what's up with you while you're in the picture for men it's a little different i think sometimes and i say this hesitantly because i know people will attack me for this but sometimes women are a little more respectful of that space than men are women will look you got a girl like i'm not really fucking with that like we know what it is but you need to be closing doors before you're trying to open something else or you know I hope it works out for y'all. If it doesn't, you know, I'm always here, but I'm not in the picture right now. You got to go handle what you handling over there. Y'all don't really like that. Women don't really like that. shit. 
But at least it's solid. It's open. Men, not so much. Men be waiting. Men be on the side like, yeah, wait till that nigga fuck up. I'm right here. <laughs> Second tier nigga on lock, on deck. What it do? Friends on me, baby. We good. Because you know what I want anyway. You know? And, 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 and for a nigga like me, I don't really care. You can't stop the nature of men. I know niggas is going to be on the side waiting for me to slip up. It's just my job not to slip up and fuck up and give you a reason to go fuck with that other nigga. But the bigger issue here is the feeling of the need to keep a, a second tier nigga around. And that's happened to me in more than a few instances. And I never felt like it happened because I wasn't good enough. I never felt like it happened because I couldn't, you know, do what other niggas do or something like that. It was always because the other niggas more exciting, more fun, more. He's a bad boy. He's he got that kind of like, you know, what's that shit? Alpha male energy. <laughs> he got that, you know. Yeah, like but but in most instances that's their own coping mechanism too and you discover that once you actually go ahead and fuck with that nigga and realize oh shit you wasn't the real thing Dante was the real thing it's too late then cause we not doing no no take backs no comebacks no spinning no spinning the block we don't spin the block over here because I don't do second nigga energy it's hard I, I need people who deal with me on any level be it business be it relationships or otherwise you gotta be sure about me i need that i need for somebody to know up front like nah you what i want i respect your artistry you're the person i want to hire no question not uh, we'll see if the other person who's better than you is available first and then we'll come and pick you up on the back end and that that's literally how the industry goes and it's hard because i have to learn to accept that that's just the nature of the business much like i'm sure that's just the nature of dating but for me i'm like nah because now i'm gonna tax you in business if you go somewhere else first to see what's up with them Granted, you could be shopping around for your options, but if it's really like something personalized that I've showed hella like, yeah, I'm really into this and that, but I align with your brand and blah, 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 blah. And you like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's somebody over here who has 50,000 followers or 100,000 followers and you think that you're going to get the benefit of the clout that comes with that for a lesser product that doesn't align with your brand or your artistry. And then you come back to me because it always comes back to you and you always get the information as to how it happened. The price just went up. Nah, sorry, baby. You're going to have to increase that budget by about 10K. Because now I know you need me more than I need you. And fuck no. <laughs> and I don't know if that's a self-love practice or if that's a pride practice. I have to figure that out. In relationships, I just don't have the energy at all. If you want to go see what's up over here with somebody and you can come back to me, it's hard for me to even let you walk back in because I don't even want to. I could, you know, I could keep that same mentality. I'm going to tax you. Oh, now you're going to have to go extra hard to show you me you want me. Or now I'm going to put you through the hoops. I don't like to play games like that. For all that, I'd rather just, you know, world population, 7 billion plus. There's too many people out here to be worried about sending one person through the hoops second and third chances and shit like that but i guess what i'm getting at here is i don't know if it's healthy that i do that i don't know if it's healthy that i have so much pride and ego that i don't allow people to be human and to make mistakes and to have options in that kind of way because if i'm being honest about it in truth it feels much more like i'm coping you know when i say i need somebody to 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 know about me up front to know like yeah you're exactly what i want 
it's only because it makes me feel better. It makes me feel more validated to know that they were so sure about me. And maybe that's me trying to cope with this kind of second nigga energy that stems from my childhood. Maybe it has to do with not being chosen first on the playground when playing sports. Or maybe it has to do with never being the guy who people like initially, you know. I always say I've been the cool guy. You know, you, you don't speak to me until I open my mouth. You might walk in a room and see a bunch of niggas and everybody in there is fine. It's like, ooh. But you're going to go for either A, the dark-skinned nigga with the locks and the beard first, or B, the light-skinned nigga with the waves and the muscles who looks down in every picture <laughs> and looks like every other clone of a nigga on Instagram holding a bottle. <laughs> or C, the nigga with the suit who looks like Michael B. Jordan or some shit. You know what I mean? Like, it's not much wiggle room. But then when I speak, and this is no cocky shit, but it is what it is. If I speak in a room, a couple of them eyes turn like, oh, who's that? Who's that? Wait a minute. What's up with him? Because I seem more obtainable. It's like, wait, this is a really good option. And it looks like he'll actually like, it's like how, uh, how niggas be doing big girls. It's terrible. First of all, I love big girls. I love all girls, first of all except for white women no disrespect slavery but you know that's how niggas be doing big girls it's like oh she probably easy probably more accessible she seemed less confident i could fuck with her i feel like that's how people do me sometimes <laughs> or in the past have done me i know it's different i glowed up a little bit since you know adulthood and Sometimes people find it hard to believe that I be feeling these ways, but it's been my experience. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm 30. I've lived 30 whole years of life. And even though I'm in a different kind of space now and people should say like, oh man, the old woe is me ass story. It's like, nah, this is things that we still have to process from our childhood. They're traumas. They're literally traumas. You know what I'm saying? And, and trauma doesn't always have to be so major. It doesn't always have to be so like you know i was held down and pinned and raped and like you know granted that's trauma too and it's a terrible trauma you know what i mean or i was brutally beaten and starved in the basement and my parents never loved me that's trauma it's terrible trauma but there's also very mild versions of trauma that exist as well and they're also important i, w I was almost going to say equally as important but <laughs> i can't relate to those ex extensive deep traumas and i would never even compare myself but you know they they are important as well those little traumas that we neglect sometimes and never process we never process our feelings so now that i'm in a space with access to traditional therapy and working to undo some of all of what's been done all up until this point i find it necessary to go back and question like what am i really coping with Maybe it has to do with me never feeling a sense of home in terms of, uh, you know, obviously my parents make me feel home. I love my parents and I think they were amazing parents, but we moved around so much. You know, I think I learned to value community more than I learned to value home, if that makes sense. That may feel a little confusing in the way that I phrased it, but, you know, you find your community wherever you go. But I've never had a place that solidly felt like this is home because we moved around so much and I was always in new schools and all of that. And granted, I'm, I'm sure people have been to more schools than me, but it was enough that it stood out that I felt like I was always trying to find my way. Anytime I ever got somewhere, I felt like people were already established. And I was trying to find my way into the mix. And in doing so, because I do have a great personality and I'm pretty magnetic, people are just attracted to my energy in general. I feel as though sometimes the people who are already established in their places can feel intimidated. You know, they want to knock you down. They want to bash you down. People feel like you're coming for their spot. 
and they do everything to keep you from getting it. I mean, when I first moved to New Carrollton, I was talking about that story with the guy Pops. It's like Pops made me his best friend just to embarrass me. That was, you know, shame on me for believing that I was supposed to be his best friend. I just got here. Why would I be his best friend? It's weird. Maybe I was seeking that validation, that sense of home. Okay, cool. I have a friend, you know. And then went out the way to embarrass me. The way people will invite you in to do work. Oh, yeah, come on. You're a great asset. And they know what your value is and you can really do what they're doing. So they'll keep you in a position to keep you lower so that you can't. That's what they call gatekeeping, you know. But Jay-Z say, I'm going to find the hottest nigga out. I'm going to sign him. I don't want no problems, you know. (laughs) I don't know what I'm coping with. Still figuring it out. But what I do know is that after talking about all of this, I've decided it's probably not healthy, you know. The harder part of the work is figuring out how to redirect my energy towards knowing that I am validated. I am enough. And ironically, something that my therapist says, I have a note right in my journal that my therapist gave me before about reminding myself that I am enough. In fact, we were talking about a scarcity mindset. Uh, We're talking about money and some more things and. I had said something about my feelings and I was referring to my feelings as being stupid. I said, I don't know. It's just stupid. I shouldn't even feel like this. But and he said, whoa, 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 whoa. He said, what was that? I said, what you mean? He said, you said your feelings are stupid. And I said, well, I mean, it feels like an illogical feeling to have. He said, no, 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 no. You don't get to choose how you feel. You feel how you feel in reaction to something that happened. And You know, we always hear people say, you know, oh, your feelings are valid, this and that, blah, blah, blah. You know, the reason your feelings are valid is because of the fact that they are internalized from within and they don't incorporate or they they don't have to incorporate others within them. You know, he was teaching me about my own intrapersonal interactions with myself. Those are, you know, interpersonal will be me speaking to you. Intrapersonal is me internally speaking to me nonverbal whatever but I'm still always having a dialogue with myself and he gave me some homework this one week which was that every single time my mind goes into a space that speaks against the affirmative he wanted me to redirect myself and tell me that I am enough so if I was having a thought about myself and I was feeling down and anxious and like you know I don't know I'm so stupid oh 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 I have to catch myself. No, I'm not stupid. I made a mistake. Or I just can't get this shit. I'm fucked up. No. It's not that I'm fucked up. I'm in the process and I'm figuring it out. The process is beautiful and I can't wait to get there. These will be valuable experiences when I do. And it takes so much work to. It's one thing to police your words. I've always policed my words more recently in terms of you know the law of attraction and not wanting to indirectly manifest something against what i'm looking to bring towards me right i I catch my words all the time before they come out because i don't want to speak them into existence what i have more trouble with is policing my thoughts and i'm working on it i really am i really am working on that part of it but When it comes down to this idea of being second best, the second tier energy, I think that's more of an intrapersonal experience. It's something that I have to work on policing from the inside. Why do I allow what others feel about me to validate me or invalidate me if I know what it is? I literally actually know. But it feels like in so many instances as I've gone through life, when I come into new spaces and your light shines, people will try to dim your light. And my grandmother 
who was a pastor used to always try to tell me that she, a minister used to always try to tell me you know there will be demons in the world who will want to dim your light and my goal was to not let them I never knew what that really meant till I started getting into a a more introspective space as an adult we gotta be conscious you know we have to be conscious of our feelings we have to be conscious of the things we speak we have to be conscious of the things that we indirectly choose to engage with in that instance that I had with that person who I've moved on from now respectfully wish her all the best it's always love I promise that I knew that there was more information that had came out in that situation and I chose not to address it though she stood firm on essentially what was a lie for my own entertainment it was because I was like uh, I know what it is and you don't even know that I know what I know and the satisfaction would have been aha I got you here's the proof right here here's the pictures here's the what something you know whatever but it was more so a promise that I had made to the person who had given me the information and shown me and her plea to me was if I share this with you let it go you don't even need that kind of energy around you you don't need that kind of energy on you it's not going to make you feel better she was right and I appreciate her for that even still when I addressed it I think there was a part of me that never addressed it further only based on the promise that I made and the fact that it was entertaining for me to know that there was something that she didn't know that I knew when in truth I shouldn't have entertained it or addressed it because it shouldn't have validated me or invalidated me one way or another. It's easy for me to tell myself that sometimes. It's harder to live by that. And that's what my work is going forward. I have to let go of how I allow outside people and things to validate or invalidate me regarding dating, regarding my race, regarding I don't know even let's take it to like sexual politics and stuff like that you know what I mean like legitimately there's so much shame associated with sexual acts or or experiences and outlooks and you know one way or another there's a community over here that'll say like oh you're so open and expressive and whatever and blah 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 and there's another side of the community that'll be like oh you know what I'm saying you on that freak shit whatever blah 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 <laughs> and one side literally could be deflecting or or putting you down to lift themselves up to validate themselves in a in it, whereas another group is embracing it in order to validate themselves you know and this is a side note, completely irrelevant. Niggas be out here thinking they nasty. Niggas be out here thinking they freaky. Niggas be thinking they out here with all the shits and they want a, a freaky woman until they actually get one. <laughs> and they don't know what the fuck to do with them. That's for a whole different conversation. You know what I'm saying? But I hang out with a lot of different women, not always on some sexual shit, but just on some platonic shit. And it's the same story. Y'all niggas want somebody so bad who's open and free and sexually liberated and all this other type of shit until you get one and then you like, uh-uh, no, no, no. I'd much rather you not be for my own validation. We can't allow outside factors to validate or invalidate us, you know what I'm saying? And I think it is healthy that I have a sense of pride about my self-worth. I've never questioned my self-worth. I think I've always known what I am and what I'm going to be. I'm an amazing motherfucker. No question about it. It's shown. The proof is in the pudding. You know what I mean? I, I adamantly, legitimately do the work day in and day out to be a good person 
and to never fuck anybody over and to just do right you know what i'm saying and i think people appreciate that shit about me i think people appreciate the energy that i bring to the table i think people appreciate my efforts and my attention to detail in the ambition the level of ambition that i have and even in acquiring the things that i acquire i I share the wealth i share the knowledge i share the access to resources I know what I am, who I am, and how I got there. So now it's about undoing the why, the whys, I should say, of how I feel based on my upbringing and the experiences that led up to now, you know. But the facts still remain, even with me doing that work. I ain't nobody's second choice can be and that's just that on that (laughs) and that's on what mary had a little lamb (laughs) with that said man uh i'm patient and i'm not in nobody's dating space right now that's for damn sure i'm in a a very grind hustle selfish space and i don't necessarily have to include other people in that process but you know I'm proud to be in, in, in a focused space and I'm proud to still have God intact in my process through everything that I do. So on that note, I'm gonna leave y'all until next time. I hope some of this this has helped uh, spark some conversation or some introspective thought from within. As always, I encourage everybody, especially black folks, to seek therapy and to do that self-work. You know what I'm saying? And I appreciate y'all for riding back in the day. I looked up to my bigger bro, begged if I could kick it. So when he went out with girls, I could go tagging along, nagging. If she had a sis, maybe could mack a baby hood rat. Y'all remember way back then, when it was 1985, all the way live. I think I was about 10. One of those happy little niggas singing the blues that be always trying to bag.